I'm going to start this recording now. All right. Do you want to hear the side note? I do. Okay. Welcome back to the darker side of life. Side note. I'm Dana. I'm Kristen. And if you listened last week, you learned about the story of a woman named Susanna Fazekas, who was ultimately responsible for creating a syndicate of women who murdered about 300 people, mostly men, in a small village of Hungary in the early 1900s. Which we had lots of thoughts on. Yes. Mm-hmm. We had some hot takes. This story is similar, except it takes place in the 1600s in Renaissance Italy. So this goes back even further. And in the Renaissance, most people think of the artwork, the literature, Da Vinci, Michelangelo, the Ninja Turtles, famous sculptures, Sistine Chapel, stuff like that. And yes, it was a time of art and learning and academics and everything, but it was also a time of war and plague and disease and just general awfulness. And the Unknown Misandry blog, that's one of my sources for this, as well as Medium.com had a good article about it. Um, They had an article that kind of put things in a perfect perspective. And the article is from a journal written in 1890 by a man named William Chambers called Chambers' Journal of Popular Literature, Science, and the Arts. The chapter title is Tofana, the Italian Prisoner, pages 236 to 238 to be exact. And I was able to find the actual journal online, too, which made me think that this website, which is kind of like a blog, like everything's on 100% legit because I was able to track down the original articles that they had sourced. Sweet. So they credit their sources down to the page number. So, I mean, they're, they know their stuff. Legit. Anyway, it begins like this. This is the guy talking about what life was like was Italy in Italy. In the annals of most lands, we generally generally find some period when the lust of shedding human blood was rampant, but few can point to a worse condition of existence than that which prevailed in Italy of the 17th and early 18th centuries, the Italy of petty republics and principalities, when the most brutal selfishness and most cringing servility went hand in hand. That would be the Renaissance. (laughs) When baseness, deceit, cruelty, and selfishness are combined in the character of public men, the profession of secret murder becomes one of the fine arts. In fact, so callous do people grow that they cease to think of killing as murder, but simply as the removal of a hateful object. What was that sound? That was my phone. Okay. (laughs) Perfect. Just in case that interrupted me. So callous do people grow that they cease to think of killing as murder, but simply as the removal of a hateful object. That, I think, is a great a great way of that's a really telling about people's mindsets yeah that's interesting you know, things are so bad again things are so bad that murder to them is not they don't see it as wrong they don't see it as it's necessary it's a necessity it as, and perhaps nobody in italy at this time was more professional at secret murder than julia tofana whose concoction of poison was so well used it had its own brand name oh. it was called aqua tofana or tofana water oh my god <laughs> And much like Susanna Fasekas, the culprit in our last story, information about her background and where she came from is kind of unknown. Um, people generally wrote that she came from Palermo, but other than that, there's not a lot to be said of her early life. She made and sold cosmetics in southern Italy for a while, and eventually she somehow created a type of poison that could kill after just a few droplets. It was colorless, odorless, tasteless, and at that time it was untraceable. Ooh. In fact, people still don't know exactly what it was, although most people think it was arsenic. The Chambers article states it could have been some kind of like nitric acid or sugar of lead and Spanish fly, which sounds like a witch's spell yeah. in a Halloween cartoon. <laughs> like sugar of lead and Spanish, Spanish fly. fly. <laughs> or even, quote, the saliva of mad people. Oh, God. Like people with mental issues. I know. 
So much like in Hungary, often women in the Renaissance were forced into marriages, often at a young age, to men much older than they are. They were often abused by their husbands, and husbands had complete control over their wives. And the only way out of a bad marriage is if one of them died. <laughs> and it ain't going to be the wife. Nope. Again, from Ch William Chambers' journal, in the Italy of the period in question, women were a little but women were but little better than the slaves of their male relatives. They were married or divorced in the most reckless way to promote political or social alliances and generally discovered their places to be occupied by some other fair ones who, though more favored, were perhaps neither more nor less frail than themselves. So basically, even if your husband's sleeping with somebody better looking than you, the better looking woman is still not much better off than you are. Right. Oh, God. I mean, think about this. <laughs> You're no better than a slave, really. And your husband cheats on you and the person he's cheating on you with is really no better than you. But so. he can do whatever he wants because... Of course. Because he's a man. he's a man. Yeah. Women are property. What are you talking about? Have equal rights. Psh, crazy talk. Can't have that here. Yep. So basically, women were treated like property, and their husbands cheated on them a lot, and even a mistress wasn't treated much better. It sucked to be a woman back then. Yeah. It sucked so bad. <laughs> That's like if people ever say, "Could you, if you wanted to go back in history to any time period, where would you go? And I was like, am I going to be a man or a woman? Yeah. Or you period? find a society that is... Where am I going to live? You find a society that respects women a little more because there are those societies out there those yeah. cultures out there that are more matriarchal than patriarchal yeah so you just find one of those tofana felt sympathy for those women who were trapped in these terrible marriages and felt it was wrong for husbands to be able to mistreat their wives so severely and it was how commonly accepted it was that there was no punishment for this i kind of like her <laughs> me too i like her views on it so she created her famous aqua Tofana and distributed it to women that needed out of their bad marriages. Now, Tofana, however, kept her recipe to herself and refused to show anybody else how it was made. This way, she ensured that she would be the only one to be able to sell it. And she, would, she was able to keep a secret for about 50 years before being suspected of anything. 50 years. 50 years, wow. That she's been doing this. And all of her clients were very protective of her. Nobody would ever dare reveal her secret after she had helped them so much. They loved her. <laughs> when she was in Palermo, it was said she befriended a, quote, sorceress. That was the word used by William Chambers. So I don't know what she did for the living, this woman. Her name was um, Hieronima Spara. I cannot say this word. Um, we'll call her Miss Spara. Okay. And S-P-A-R-A. And Tofana shared her secret with her. Together, they worked to help women rid themselves of their abusive husbands. So Tofana traveled around southern Italy, mainly staying around the Naples area, and Spara went up to Rome to work. Spara, however, did what the Hungarian ladies did in her last story, and she took on a partner and created her own little group little of husband killers. A syndicate. <laughs> a syndicate. And like in Hungary, the numbers of men turning up dead became too great to ignore, so authorities started to investigate. They had suspected her already, but soon police found a woman who would sort of go undercover and work with them to get in on the scheme and figure out what they were doing. So now authorities knew who was involved and were able to make arrests because the woman, I guess, went undercover, said she wanted to kill her husband, got the bottle of poison, and all was good, and she turned it over to the cops. 
So Sparrow was arrested. They were taken in and put under torture, which was a common practice at the time, until they confessed. Mm. All of them did, except for Spara, who was an old woman by this time. They say she was to torture for a long time, though, hoping some of the women she helped would come forward and do something to help her, like how the women were so perfective, uh, possessive of Tofana. Mm-hmm. But nobody came to her defense, so she eventually confessed as well. Oh, that's sad. Pope Alexander VII ordered her execution along with the execution of four others, and he banished a few more from Italy. And in 1658, the group had been discovered and pretty much broken up. That group, however, because Tofana was still at large. Nobody knew about her yet. William Chambers wrote that for many years she evaded police and she was able to move easily and freely around Italy. And she even traveled with the little bottles of poison out in the open in her luggage and avoided questioning from customs house (laughs) officials or police because all of her bottles had an image of a saint on it and it read Manna of St. Nicholas of Bari, B-A-R-I, on it. And in Bari, this is where St. Nicholas was reportedly buried. And there was a mineral spring that came from his grave that allegedly had healing properties to it. So, of course, nobody is going to desecrate it because it's considered almost a sacred holy holy relic. So you have this little old lady, this sweet and innocent little lady that would make conversation with you and tell you how good you look and all this and the line full of all the younger men checking her luggage. And she's got this holy water in it, basically. Nobody's going to touch it. Be on your way, ma'am. Thank you. You know, hiding in plain sight. I know she's this cute little lady. Like, who would have suspected her? That was until one of her newer clients ratted her out. The client got a small bottle of the poison from her, and she put it in her husband's soup. However, either from fear or guilt, she took the soup away and told him not to eat it. And, of course, the husband was pissed, (laughs) and he was wanting to know why she was trashing his dinner. Right, give me my dinner. And he eventually got the truth from her because she had to tell him why he couldn't eat his dinner. And so he turned his wife over to the authorities where she told them who she bought the poison from. Tofana got wind of the police coming for her. So she fled to a convent which had sanctuary at the time, where basically the authorities could not enter and arrest her. And I still think they do stuff like this in some parts of Europe, because last year I read a story about a church. It was a Dutch church, and they they had a rule where police could not enter as long as they met like a a service was in progress Mm -hmm. and there was an immigrant immigrant family that was about to be deported or split up and so they went in the church and so they kept a service going for like three months i remember that so authorities couldn't in and finally the government said okay we'll work it out we're not going to deport you whatever and then they you know ended the service and worked it out so i think they still have laws that are kind of like i think so too yeah like asylum Mm -hmm. it's like an asylum type of deal yeah good for them so that's what yeah, that's what Tofana did. She went to a church where authorities couldn't enter. But for a while, there's a standoff between church and state, too, because the church refused to hand her over. But then during that time, someone spread a rumor that she poisoned the water. Apparently, she did what I suggested <laughs> that we do and throw the poison that we in the water. Not do. <laughs> so a mob broke into the church and they dragged her out by force. No. At first, she says she was innocent. Until she was also put under torture. Now, I get it. But she's an old woman. She's an old woman. Yeah. Then she confessed to more than 600 killings. Wow. Yes. After this, she was sentenced to be executed by strangulation. And she was put to death in the Campo dei Fiori in Rome, which is weird because we went there on a study abroad trip. And we were drinking there. And if I would have known this at that time, I would have thought about this woman. 
Like I was at this place where this woman got executed, got executed like such a long time ago and I never even knew it. And I wonder if death by strangulation is hanging. Like I doubt they're I like know. holding their hands around some old woman's neck, but you strangle when you hang. Yeah. So. I mean, I imagine it would be hanging, but it just said executed by strangulation. So I guess it Maybe probably it's a translation hanging. thing. But like torture though. I mean, come on people. Yeah. I mean, it's like the Salem witch trial things. It's like, didn't they used to do a thing where they like threw you in the water and like, if you sank, you're not a witch, but if you float, you are yeah, or something. So you're dead either, either way. way. You're screwed. Yeah. And women, most <laughs> yeah, of the time, most of the time women couldn't even swim. They, I mean, they're right. not getting swimming lessons when they're three years old. So they're dead either way. Well, she's dead. She's not a witch. She's Let's a witch. go home. Sorry. Yeah. Problem solved. <laughs> but yeah, just torturing people. Of course you're going to say just to make the torture stop. Yeah. I mean, it's like getting confessions out of people. Yeah, it takes so much. But in this case, she actually did it. So so Tofana's legacy was so big back then that it was once thought that Mozart died from Aqua Tofana. Oh, really? <laughs> he allegedly said when he died, he must have been giving some, but he died in 1791, and this was the late 1600s, so I doubt Tofana told many people about her recipe and that it would survive that long. Oh, you never know. I don't know. It just seems kind of unlikely, but Mozart could have also been poisoned or just died from a regular illness. I don't think it's been proven either or, but I think some people go toward illness, hmm. but um, it's doubtful it was from her, even if it was poison. That's conspiracy I just theory. That little tidbit hmm. was interesting. I wonder if I tallied up the death toll between these two stories. 600 and 300 is 900. 900. Probably another... 300 from all the other ones before that I mentioned. Jeez. Yeah. All from women. And these are just ones that we know about. Yeah, you know? that's true. I wonder if people have, you know, they have the po whole poison is a woman's weapon type of thing. Yeah, I have heard I mean, that. How much of this has happened over history that we just don't know about? Yeah, you have these like isolated cases that aren't, aren't like raising any red flags because it's just, oh, he died of a heart attack right. or he died from this or whatever. Yeah, that's the story of um, Aqua Tofana. And the woman in Naples who killed more than 600 men. Good side note. Um, yeah, if you have any ideas for little mini stories or for sure main stories, go ahead and email us at darkersideoflifepodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram, darkersideoflifepodcast, and Twitter. Uh, at DSOL podcast. Yeah, until next time. See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye. Cross applesauce.